Welcome to the Vault Studios Fantasy Football Podcast, your one-stop shop for all fantasy football info. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to the Vault Studio Fantasy Football Podcast. Four weeks of the NFL season are in the bag and with me to talk about week five, look ahead to what is going on and reflect on week four is my co-host, Corey. How are you doing, man? I'm good, Lewis. Um, fresh off a uh, little steak uh, vacation with the fam. So here we go, talking about fantasy football this week. So let's That's go. It. That's it. Did you have to uh, ask written permission from dictator uh, McGowan there to be able to, to leave your home? <laughs> no, we just went three hours <laughs> south. <of> big steak. <laughs> oh, dear me. Dear me. Uh, hope, hopefully soon. Hopefully soon, those borders open up for you, and you can uh, I don't know, see, see see some family. Yeah, actually go somewhere outside of WA. Go go somewhere on holiday that isn't a mine. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh. All right. As always, we've got a jam-packed show, so we'll get moving right away. And a few interesting transactions have happened this week in the NFL worth talking about before we dive into our rapid reactions, look back and look forward for, for each of the games and give our notable takeaways. The first one being another running back is injured. Bears running back David Montgomery looks set to miss four to five weeks with a knee injury. Fortunately for the Bears and for his fantasy owners, it's not season ending. And he did give you a great week despite leaving the game hurt. He got you two touchdowns. He was one of the top running backs on the week. But he's going to leave a huge hole in your side because Montgomery had been one of the better fantasy running backs this year. Corey, what's your takeaway for this? Obviously, Damian Williams is going to be stepping in in his place, who, you know, looked, looked pretty good. Uh, looked like he had a bit of juice in the leg, scored a touchdown. Do you think this massively impacts the offense or is Williams going to be a pretty reliable starter um, for your fantasy teams? I think we've seen this before with Williams. I think he's very capable of taking over the reins for, for now. I think maybe Montgomery is, I don't know, if you want to put percentage on it, 15% better player than he is. Um, you know, I, I just think, you know, he's been in a situation before. We've seen him produce well in – Kansas City, so playoff Damien, playoff Damien gets a chance to to ride again. I think I think this is um, a good situation for him to be in. So um, tough for Montgomery owners, especially if you didn't want to spend up on Fab uh, to get um, Damien Williams, which is understandable. Um, there are some other options out there that are kind of under the radar if you missed out on Damien Williams. Yeah, uh, who, who are you look, looking at some of those under-the-radar um, options? Well, obviously, there's like the Samaji Pirines of the world. There's the Alex Collins of the world, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, guys like that. And if you're looking like super deep, um, I wouldn't mind taking like a stab at Malcolm Brown as well. He's been getting a lot of red zone carries. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Like if you're just looking for a touchdown here or there, um, that's an interesting name. But, yeah, I think that Alex Collins obviously um, is a little bit still under the radar, especially if you're, like, in a shallower league, like 10-team, 12-team league. Um, you might be able to pick him up on the waiver wire still because I, I know yeah. I picked him up in a 10-team league. Um, just He was just there. So, um, you know, he's still um, possibly there on your waiver wire. 
Yeah, and he looks like he had some juice, had a real nice touchdown run in week four. Alex Collins did. Uh, and, and, and as you said, it's difficult to put a percentage on it, but I don't think Damian Williams is too much worse than David Montgomery. And Justin Fields has now been named the starter. I don't think that's great news yeah. for, for Williams. Getting that mobile quarterback in there, they're going to uh, look to utilize the option game. And so I think that's going to do do wonders for, for for Damian Williams and get him some opportunities and create some space for him at the line of scrimmage. Uh, the other big, quite big news is that former defensive player of the year and standout cornerback Stephon Gilmore has been traded from the New England Patriots to the Carolina Panthers for a 2023 sixth round draft pick. He's the second cornerback that Carolina have gone out and acquired after they traded a third round pick for former first rounder, um, Carlos, Carlos Henderson, Carlos Henderson, uh, from CJ Henderson, CJ yeah. Henderson, CJ Henderson, uh, from, from the Jack Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. They also spent a first round pick on JC Horn this year. Who's out for a couple of months, potentially with a broken foot, but getting these two cornerbacks in, especially not having to allow Henderson to sort of take number one duties with Stefan Gilmore expected to be back this week. This is great for the, for the Carolina Panthers secondary. Yeah, it's a really good um, signing for them. Um, obviously, Stephon Gilmore played his college ball in South Carolina. He lives Carolina next door Panthers to the GM. North Carolina, but I mean, Carolina Panthers yeah. um, nonetheless. So, you know, it, it is a good signing. It will bolster their secondary, which um, on the weekend looked like their their run defense needed some work. So we'll, we'll see what, what happens with the Carolina Panthers. That defense was ranked number one when they ran up against Dallas um, this week. So um, I definitely think it, think it helps um, having a veteran, um, you know, guy that in there that's very capable of shutting down another team's top receiver. I think you have to keep that on the back of your mind when uh, you're, you know, your favorite team comes up against the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about that. Uh, so let's move on now. Let's get through these games of, of week week four. Uh, and another injury, and we'll move this partly to this game, is Joe Mixon. He got a low, low ankle sprain. He's considered week to week, uh, which is just a, a shame for, for those who've drafted Joe Mixon. He's putting together a decent season, probably underperformed expectations to this point. Uh, you know, especially in the last couple of weeks, the first two weeks look really, really good. And that usage has, has slid off a bit and he's now banged up. I know you mentioned Samaje Pirine before the name I'm interested in picking up and potentially starting moving forward will be the rookie, Chris Evans, who was uh, drafted. Uh, I think he was drafted late this year. He might've been an undrafted free agent and he really excels in the passing game. Obviously there's high value touches in, in PPR scoring. Uh, and I believe the offensive coordinator said he was the best pass catching running back he'd he'd ever seen. Now I know that's oh, a little good. bit. Of, I know that's, that's a. Need. I know that's a coach little bit speak. of coach coach speak, but <laughs> he certainly he certainly has some talent. And for anyone who's rostered Joe Mixon consistently over the years, the sight of a, another running back on the Cincinnati Bengals wearing number twenty five getting on the field is just is just a thorn in your side because <laughs> it was Gio Bernard for years. And now it's Chris Evans. And I think he could have some value in, in, in if Mixon is to miss time in these next few weeks. Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely agree with that. And I guess my takeaway from that Bengals-Jags game was just uh, obviously the CJ Uzama sighting 
Yes. Uh, where'd, that, where'd that come from? Um, obviously, no T. Higgins and Uzama was the biggest beneficiary of that. Um, he had played a very good game, and Joe Burrow was finding him all over the place. So um, if you're looking for a tight end streamer, C.J. Uzama's not a bad, bad guy to do it with. No, he's certainly not. He's certainly not. If you are, uh, you know, maybe you had Logan Thomas, who's going to miss a few weeks. CJ Uzama is someone uh, you could pick up and potentially potentially stream and get get a little bit of action out of. Let's move on now to this Jets Titans game, which was one of the worst games of football I've seen in a long time. The Titans were stymied <laughs> without without Julio Jones, without AJ Brown, and really they couldn't get it going. I unfortunately played. Uh, Nick Westbrook, Ikini, uh, Ikine, yeah. uh, in, in a few leagues. Process oh, was right. Process was right. He got nine targets. Unfortunately, the result didn't pan out. Tannehill missed him on a few. I think he had a drop. And it was um, it was uh, who Chester, Chester Rogers who who yeah. uh, a lot of junk time now. A lot of junk time made hay. Uh, but but the Jets won this game. The Titans really had a nightmare. The Jets got their first win. Um, my big takeaway from this game, though, is that Jamison Crowder should be in lineups moving forward. He's constantly underrated in PPR leagues. He plays exclusively out of the slot, has a good matchup. He went 7 for 61 and a score. And if this Jets offense continues to improve, Crowder will put up put up some decent numbers. And, and I, I, he was a league winner for some people last year. He certainly helps you get into the playoffs. There were games where he put up absolutely monster numbers out of, out of the slot. Uh, and with with Corey Davis on the outside, Elijah Moore projected to be an outside guy. I don't think uh, anyone else is going to be really competing for slot snaps with Jameson Crowder, who is a, a consummate professional and restructured his contract to stay in New York this season. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I picked him up in a couple leagues. Um, Jameson Crowder is always underrated. I love having him on my roster. Um, he's similar to like Jarvis Landry type uh, later in the season because someone will drop him. He's probably yeah. dropped now actually because he's hurt. So it's like having you know those kind of guys that just get you steady production week after week, um, and then when they get a touchdown, it's like wow, you know, there's 20 points right there. So right, um, you, you got to be happy with that. Um, I, my takeaway from this is Zach Wilson. Um, Zach Wilson played. Um, I mean, he had a couple throws in this game that were ridiculous. Um, I like him long-term in Dynasty. Um, he was always going to show this side of him because their first, I think, three weeks were brutal schedule-wise. Like, past defense is like, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. just a nightmare. So, once he starts getting these easier matchups, he's going to look a little, he's going to look better than he has the first three weeks. So, um, I like that. I think the arrow's pointing up on him. So, if there's a squeamish owner out there, uh, and dynasty that you can take advantage of. Go ahead and pull trigger. Yeah, he seems to have the right mentality and isn't phased by the mistakes or the growing pains. I think this was expected coming from not having played a great deal in college and especially not a great level of competition, being drafted high on a bad roster with the Jets, new coaching staff, questionable offensive line, difficult schedule to start the season. But we can see that he's growing and evolving week by week in front of our eyes because of this, taking fewer sacks, throwing fewer interceptions. And I think it's been good for his development. Uh, and I think that's a testament to his mentality and the coaching staff as well, who are giving him the freedom to to continue to go back and throw the football. And they're not just going, well, let's take it out of his hands or benching him or anything like that. They're doing everything they can to make sure that Zach Wilson beds in well, beds in, well in New York. Bears-Lions game. 
obviously it was exciting to see Justin Fields uh, start and have a whole week of game planning and the offense was completely different. It was night and day. Uh, so obviously uh, big improvements and I thought Fields looked pretty good. His fantasy output wasn't great, but there was a whole bunch of rushing touchdowns. I think all the best touchdowns came uh, on on the ground, I believe. I don't think Fields threw us through for a score. Or if he did, it was just just the one. But I, I don't think he did. But he looked good. He made some big time throws. Uh, finally, Allen Robinson got a uh, got a, a couple of deep balls thrown his way. But my big takeaway was Darnell Mooney, who was burning guys deep, looked excellent, and him and Fields seemed to be on the same page with with the deep ball, getting that timing. And he was dropping balls right in the breadbasket of Darnell Mooney, who was one of the better, if not the best, rookie deep threats last season. He was one of my sleepers coming into the year, and it's nice to see him get on the same page with Justin Fields early in his Bears career and has now been named the starter moving forward. Yeah, I can, you know, obviously I I agree with that. I had Darnell Mooney in one of my... um, by, by sections in one of my articles I just wrote. So nice uh, a couple of weeks ago. So definitely agree with that. Um, as for everything else, that Khalif Raymond, um, I, mm-hmm. I kind of gave I gave out his prop before the game started, and um, you know he was at twenty nine and a half yards. He ended up getting five targets in this game. He had two touchdowns, fifty three snaps out, which was second most on the team. Just keep an eye on him. Don't like run out and grab him or anything, especially in deep leagues. He's probably still available, but um, he's just he's an interesting guy. He's super tiny. He's like yeah. he's in the huddle. He's just like this little guy. He's like, um, but like they just don't have you know a go to kind of option. They actually looked for him on a on one of his touchdowns, like it was like a play and play for him to get, just get out in the flat and they throw it to him and he's, you know, beats everyone to the, the pylon. Like he's not, he's not like the most physical receiver of all time, no. but he is very fast. And I, I think just keep an eye on him the next couple of weeks and see how this whole Detroit wide receiver situation pans out. Cause I think they're going to be behind in most games and the golf's going to be throwing it around. So um, yeah. Yeah, and we're really waiting for one of those receivers to step up and make a claim as the number one get target behind TJ Hawkinson. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown's had his moments. Yeah. Um, I mean, he but, had he, Amon Ra had eight targets in this game, which is what yeah. you want to see. And he's a rookie; he's going to continue to get better. So it's, that's it's true. Be, that's true. Um, you know, he's he's even worth it keeping an eye on the next couple of weeks. See if that but target share kind of stays there. If he can continue to get eight targets, I wouldn't mind picking him up either. So someone's got to, is going to step up out of that, that group um, at least a little bit and just keep an eye on it. Cause you know, that wide receiver three, four, um, like Chris Harris says, the wide receiver three of infinite sadness. Um, <laughs> one, one of those guys will be playable, especially during bye weeks. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about that. Let's move on now to the dolphins and Colts game. And surprisingly, Marlon Mack played in this game. There was It broke before that he was going to be inactive because they were looking to seek a trade for him. But he did end up starting, or not starting, but being active, getting some carries, getting a bit of running this game. But I do think they're going to find a trade partner. Both parties want to move on. Mack wants a fresh start. The Colts want to get something in return. I think a deal gets done in the next week or two here. My big takeaway is he looked good. 
but can but trade for Jonathan Taylor. Do what you can to get Jonathan Taylor oh, on your yeah, roster sure. because he's right now the running back 20, but he's the running back 12 in weighted opportunities. And that's with this sort of th murky three-headed committee. In the last couple of weeks, he's been just as involved in the passing game as Nahi Hines. There's this idea that Jonathan Taylor isn't involved in the passing game at all. But, you know, he's averaging nearly four targets a game, which combined with the carries he's getting, uh, and if he's a home run hitter, is, is, is more than enough. So... And and then add yeah. on top of add on top of that, they um for the rest of the season the Colts are gonna face the third softest run defense according to Sharp Football stats. So yeah. he's gonna get volume. Um the offense is gonna improve. I remember Carson Wentz has been injured as well. I think pieces are gonna start to come back together for that offense. I think Jonathan Taylor is a huge target uh, in, in, in all formats because he's he should be a top three running back in Dynasty, I think. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you on that one. Um I guess the big takeaway from this one is Will Fuller is once again down. I um, mean, a, like a broken finger, a broken like what the? It's just the most random injuries. You're like, are you serious right now? I I, I want to say I told you so, but um, Will Fuller is just this guy. Um, I I don't know if it will ever work out for him, but it was interesting. I did mention Malcolm Brown before. Yes. He had 35 snaps in this game to Miles Gaskin's 12. You can't start Miles Gaskin right now. No, not at all. Um, you're you're just holding on to him and just trying to figure out what's going to happen with this offense because it looks abysmal with uh, <laughs> Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby, um, man, yeah, it's it's not been great. So you can't start Miles Gaskin. Um, like I said, if you want to take a shot at just kind of rostering Malcolm Brown, seeing what happens here, because it does seem weird. It feels like they're all right, starting to kind of, I don't know, trying to figure out something um, with that running back situation. So just keep an eye on that backfield uh, going forward. He's a good goal line back. He had success in, in, in the Rams as well at the goal line. He does have a nose for the end zone. He can, he's, yeah. he's, he's a I big mean, guy, he's, he's a powerful legs. He's, no, he's no, I, I, I know, but as you said, if yeah. you're if you're in in a pickle with your running back situation and you're throwing out a throwing out a, a hail mary trying to get a touchdown, the better bet is on Malcolm Brown than Miles Gaskin to get your touchdown. I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, Vikings Browns, what on paper seemed like oh. was going to be a really good game. I was excited for this. I was paying close attention to this one. It stunk. Obviously, the Browns' defense is elite. They troubled Kirk Cousins after we gave him a, a big uh, yeah. you know, shout-out on the, on the previous episode. So, sorry, Kirk. That, that was on us. But Baker Mayfield uh, stunk as well, and he probably missed oh, Odell on two touchdowns. And he, I know Baker's accuracy can sometimes wane, but this was particularly bad. And I, I was curious, and... A couple of different uh, sort of injury specialists in the fantasy world. I think Edwin, Edwin Porras and someone else mentioned that even though he suffered a shoulder injury to his non-throwing arm last last week, or was it the week week before, that can that would still uh, cause issues for accuracy through the rotation of the body and pulling your non-throwing shoulder across. And if that motion is limited or causing pain, it's not surprising that he was off target with some of his throws. And so this concerns me for Odell Beckham. We liked him, uh, especially with Landry being out. We thought he looked good. But if Beckham is going to, if sorry, if Baker is going to struggle with his accuracy because of this lingering left shoulder injury, it might be better to, to fade the entire um, 
passing passing game of the Browns until we get some assurity that this this shoulder is 100% healed, if if it does happen. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. Um, He missed OBJ and a couple passes that were just... Oh, he was going to walk Game breakers. Yeah, (laughs) game breakers. Um, As for the running backs, I'm starting both still. I love Nick Chubb still. Um, Vikings defense actually played pretty pretty solid in this one. Their their um, front seven was really good. Um, Nick Chubb had a really nice runs, and they just couldn't get in the end zone. Just got unlucky. Cream Hunt got in the end zone. Um, but Nick Chubb had 21 carries in this game. Uh, Cream Hunt had 13. Uh, so I'm starting both of those guys. I'm happy if Cream Hunt's went RB two. Heck, yes. if they're on my same team, I have them in one league, both of them. So I, I play, play both of them. Play both. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's it's no, yeah, it's a no-brainer for me. So don't don't be worried about Nick Chubb or um, obviously you're not worried about Cream Hunt, but um, just yeah, stay the course with Nick Chubb. Yeah, no doubt about that. The Falcons and Washington football team. Cordero Patterson went nuclear. I think he scored three touchdowns in this game. He looked incredible, and the easy. Cliche takeaway is like, so Cordell Royal Patterson, he's not yeah, going to be right. able to sustain this. Right, yeah. of course. But what are you selling them for? Because everyone's thinking about this. I really, the, I'm looking at the flip side of this coin. If everyone's all sell high on Cordell Patterson, surely the flip side of that is it should be a buy low window on Mike Davis because he's still getting more, he's running more routes. He's getting more carries. Now, obviously, Patterson's a more dynamic athlete than Mike Davis, but this offense is slowly starting to gel, and I think Davis can still put up low-end running back two numbers, which is where you drafted him, and he's getting the opportunities to do that. And they're using Patterson sparingly as an offensive weapon. It's almost like they don't want to ask him to do too much, and they want to bring him in to spell Davis. And so I still think that Davis is – because people have soured on him dramatically. I think you can get him for a bag of chips and a lollipop at this point. (laughs) And unless someone is really willing to overpay in a league for Patterson, particularly if they need a running back and he's got double position eligibility on whatever platform you're playing on, otherwise I'm holding Cordero and just getting it because he cost you nothing. He's riding in your flex and we've seen the upside that he's got. Even if he tanks and gets a few, you know, he's probably going to get like eight points on a down week out of your flex point. You're like, yeah, okay, I'll take that. And I think we're going to see this offense continue to improve. I think Kyle Pitts gets more involved. He's been used primarily as a wide receiver. Uh, uh, Calvin Ridley has basically has been disappointing, has a basically the same usage that he had last year when Julio Jones was out. So his workload was projected correctly. It's just that his average depth of target has come down and the offensive touchdowns have come down as well because Matt Ryan doesn't look great. So... Maybe that's a small sample size, but I think this offense does get a little bit better, and that's why I think you should buy low on Mike Davis and hold Cordero Patterson because every when everyone says sell, it automatically means that the market is not going to be there for you, right? So uh, I think I think just clicking him and putting him on the trade bed, being like, come and get Patterson, everyone's going to be saying the same thing. So unless you've got a very right. naive owner in your league, I don't think you're going to get good returns on Cordero. All right. I'll give you a name that you should add is Curtis Samuel. Um, yes. Only played 25 snaps in this game. He was fourth out of the receivers. Um, he he ran 13 routes and had four targets. But that I think that was they're just kind of you know ramping him up here. He's yeah. seeming to be like Adam Humphreys is getting 45 snaps. Like I expect Curtis Samuel just to take all those snaps. Not I mean not all those snaps, but I mean 
I expect him to be the one that has 45 snaps, you know, right behind mm-hmm, Terry mm-hmm. McLaurin. And he, I'm sure he'll creep up into the 50 snaps kind of range, and um, depending on the game, obviously. But um, I think Curtis Samuel's a good speculative ad right now. I agree. He's an absolute burner. He's great with the ball in his hands. Uh, a very dynamic playmaker. And yeah, he he had a knee injury. He was on IR. They're bringing him along slowly. I think he had COVID twice as well during the offseason or something like that. So he was slow getting up to speed after the team signed him in free agency and gave him that big, big contract. So I do like Curtis Samuel. The team obviously values him. Ron Rivera knew him from his time in Carolina. So I think all the signs point to him getting involved and getting good usage. And I've just seen that Logan Thomas is going to be out at least four weeks. Now, oh, wow. I'm not I'm not rushing out to get Ricky Seals-Jones. So I, I think they move away yeah. from how they were using Logan Thomas, who is dynamic, and I still think Adam Humphreys has a role to play. But I think between between Curtis Samuel and De'Ami Brown, I think I think some of these guys could could be uh, could be worth uh, getting in your lineup sooner rather than later. For sure. Um, Bills Texans, you you nailed it. You nailed your stream here, man. Uh, Dawson Knox and he should be added in every single league, and he's only on fifty percent, just over fifty percent owned in ESPN leagues after last week. Uh, he's getting uh, a bunch of targets. He he played ran the most snaps out of any pass catcher um, for the Bills. He scored touchdowns in back to back weeks, and he was second in targets last week behind only Stephon Diggs. He's carving out a role. Everyone's healthy around him, and the team is still looking to Dawson Knox. He's a great red zone weapon. And he's got the upside we've seen, but even in games where he goes four for you know four for fifty, it's still low in tight end one prediction. Yeah. You're fine, you're Gucci. Yeah, you're so he should be owned. And if you haven't got a top five tight end, you should be playing Dawson Knox pretty much every single week. Yeah, I I agree with that. Obviously, Dawson Knox, um, obviously taking that step forward and kind of being like that under radar um, guy, especially against the Chiefs this week. Um, that should be a shootout. So. Chiefs played zero defense, and I still think the Chiefs should, should be able to score a little bit. So um, I guess the other takeaway, um, I'll try to go to the other side. Um, there's not much to take away from this game. I saw that Anthony Miller was released um, today. Um, they're expecting Danny Amendola back um, this week, so Anthony Miller's out, um, <laughs> even though he was second on the team with five targets last week. Um it's Brandon Cooks or Bust on this team. And that's it. I think if you find an, an owner that's Brandon Cooks kind of they're over it, they want to jump off the train, pick them up because obviously um, the situation will get better. Hopefully Tyrod can come back soon. Um, that would help things along a little bit. But, yeah, he still had seven targets. You know, it was just always going to be a tough matchup against that Buffalo Bills defense, Travis yeah, White, secondary. On the road, bad weather, Davis Mills, tough Buffalo defense. It was always going to be a nightmare, and yet still seven targets. He's maintaining an elite target share over 30%. Every week we're going to say the same thing. Go and get Brandon Cooks on your roster and get him into your lineup because good things will happen when you do that. Moving on to the Saints-Giants game. Uh, my yeah. takeaway here, it was it was pretty brutal, and you know I was I was heavy on Ingram throughout the se- off season. I touted drafting him a lot. Unfortunately, injuries really didn't work out the first few weeks of the season for him. And in his first game back, you know they just eased him in slowly. But he was out there for forty five snaps this week. I think he had four receptions on six targets. 
He ran a yep. route on 29% of his, of his snaps. They even tried like a jet sweep with him, which was a complete disaster. But they're trying things. And Daniel Jones has exceeded my expectations. I'm, I'm low on him. And to go in and get a, get a win on the road in New Orleans is no mean feat. So I've got to doff the cap to, uh, to Daniel Jones there. And also, just, yeah, Evan Engram, I think, will end up being a fantasy starter. Maybe not next week, but maybe from the, from the week after. I think you're going to get some low-end, tight-end one games out of Evan Engram moving forward. Yeah, it was it was pleasant to see. Obviously, the Kadarius Tony sighting. Um, I'm not biting on that yet. Um, he's still no. He's he's making a lot of those um, rookie kind of like moves where he's like, oh, I'm just gonna try to keep trying to get like, you know, I'm trying to break something here when when there's nothing there. But yeah. he did have like the highlight play that everyone showed on Twitter, and it's like, yeah, cool. Um, but it is. I mean, there was a John Ross sighting in this game as well. John Ross alert, baby. <laughs> um, so everyone's Colin Johnson love kind of went out the window there pretty quickly. Um, as for the Saints, it's just super ugly. It looks like Tony Jones got injured in this game as yeah. well. So now we're looking at Dwayne Washington. Um, gross. Um, so, yeah, Alvin Kamara is just getting carries galore, but it's like it's just – gross work right now for the Saints offense. It's gross work and he's I, just they should be using him so much more in the passing game. It really hurts to see that he's, you know, getting four targets a game. Yeah, I, I think they're just kind of biding time until Michael Thomas comes back. When he comes back, I expect him to just get peppered with targets. Oh, he could be a league winner. <laughs> if you if you were able to get him at reasonable cost and you've had him on IR, my goodness. The other thing I would do is take a look at your everyone in your different leagues who has Michael Thomas at the moment, because they might be desperate and they might need a starter with all these injuries. You might be able to get Michael Thomas quite cheap. They've held him for this long. Uh, if you, if you can go and trade for Michael Thomas before he's activated, I, I would certainly do that because this offense needs a spark. It needs a receiver. Or Michael Thomas could get 10 targets a game for the rest of the season. Once he's back would not surprise me at all. So uh, that's, that's um, something I would, I would encourage uh next game eagles chiefs this was this was a fun game and um i think the, the big takeaway for me is just pounding the drum again on jalen hurts like he will have up and down days as a passer i think he's a great leader i think he's going to be a good quarterback for this eagles team moving forward uh, i'd be surprised if they got rid of him based off of of what he's shown of course we don't know we can't predict the mind of, of nfl gms and, and owners but he is an every week starter, top five quarterback. Like he's averaging eight and a half carries a game, 60 rushing yards per game. And even so, even if the passing isn't there, which it was this week, and they continue to throw it into garbage time against the Chiefs, this team will be in shootouts, not great secondary. I think there's lots to like about Jalen Hurts. Um, and 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 Zach Ertz is a is a you know, in, in deeper leagues, amazingly still hasn't been traded to the Buffalo Bills. He's getting a few looks every now and again, and Hurts overthrew him on one, um, which was a walk-in touchdown as well, uh, which would have made the week very different. And you know, it's it, it, it may be like sixteen-team leagues, or if you've got to start two tight two tight ends, or there's a, there's a super high premium on tight ends, you could do worse than playing Zach Hurts because it seemed that Hurts does look for him from time to time. Yeah, and I guess um, I don't think Pat Mahomes. I heard this. Not another podcast, but I, I don't think he's capable of throwing a normal touchdown. You know, it has to be like 
<laughs> it's got to like be behind the back, or it's got to be underhand. Yeah, this is going to come back to bite them, I think, at some point. I think, I think this cheekiness is, is going to come back to bite them in a in a big spot. But damn, it's fun to watch. Definitely, um, and obviously on the Eagles side, um, I don't quite agree with you on Jalen Hurts. Like, I think he's he's doing well, like as far as stuffing the stat sheet, but as like pure quarterback stuff, like NFL stuff. I, I don't know, man. I think we might see, uh, <laughs> we might see Minshew at some point at, during the season. Uh, I would not be surprised if that was the case. I would be shocked if we saw Minshew for anything other than injury. But okay, who knows? Who knows? Um, I think. I think. Like I, I really honestly think from what. You know, I've seen and what I've I've heard. I think the fantasy community and the like real life NFL community community are kind of split um, mm-hmm. on him because uh, he definitely puts up fantasy numbers. Like there's no doubt about <laughs> it, um, and that's why he's. You know, I'm trying to trade him in one league. I'm trying to get, you know, I'm trying to get like Lamar Jackson or someone like that to see if someone will bite. But um, I think they're a little bit smarter than that. But um, Miles Sanders, yeah, he's. I hate, I hate Miles Sanders. Oh man, this Kenny Game. <laughs> Kenny Gamewell looks good. Kenny Gamewell looks good. Uh, it looks like the Miles Sanders ship is sinking well and truly to the depths of the ocean at this point, which is which is sad. Yeah. It's it sad is. for me. I know. I know you're you're <laughs> ambivalent towards it. <laughs> I <know. laughs> Corey stood on the side of the ocean with a life jacket, looking at Miles Sanders, being like. Eh, I could give it to you, but I don't know if I really want to. <laughs> um, uh, Cowboys Panthers. This game was fun. Uh, Sam Donald uh, blew blew up this week. DJ Moore had a blow up game, but we talked about it. There's there's been obviously wild takes on Zeke uh, back and forth. We talked about it a bit a couple of weeks ago. I think we both agreed that better days were ahead for him. It wasn't always going to be the Tony Pollard show. Both were going to be playable. Zeke's peeled off a couple of back-to-back games. He's looked good, but there's also been some plays where you think prime Zeke, if he was truly the same guy that he was in his first few years, would have taken some runs to the house, but he's still a tough inside runner, especially with that offensive line. But for me, the the, the sell window on Zeke in Dynasty is just wide open right now, and you'd be a fool to not take it unless it's you've got hard. a roster that's taking you to a championship. But it's like, it's I would sell Zeke for for... For 2023, that's um, draft picks. Maybe like a, I reckon you could do a 2023 one and a two. You know, maybe try and position yourself to get to get a run at Bijan Robinson or one of the other top running backs in the 2023 class. Look because, at you spitting out Devi stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. But, but I think you could do that because people are more more happy or happier to give up picks a couple of classes ahead. Um, and I'm no running back scout or anything like that. I just know people are getting real hyped about this 2023 running back class, um, and people might feel better about giving a bit more up if they don't feel like they're giving away their immediate future as well in Dynasty. But in terms of redraft, I'm riding Zeke all the way to the bank because this offense looks great. The offensive line is playing well. Dak looks electric. Um, 
The rest of the passing game didn't do, you know, at least the wide receivers didn't do all that much. And the running backs, get this, had no targets in this game. No targets to the running backs. So I don't know if that was a schematic intentional thing or it's just the way the game shaped out. But the tight, end, tight ends, again, had a day. They were able to target uh, target the Panthers there. Uh, Amari Cooper left the game with a hamstring injury, came back. Fortunately, scored a touchdown to save his day. Uh, but better days ahead for C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper. But for me, Zeke... Uh, sell window open in Dynasty. Take advantage of it, uh, and, and um, um, in redraft, keep riding him. Keep get yeah. keep getting those running back one numbers. I think CD Lamb's a buy for me right now. It's both both in redraft and Dynasty. One hundred percent. Go out and try to get him because he's had what two subpart? Well, yeah, two subpart games back to back. This one kind of hurt. He only had four targets in this game. Dallas was never gonna. You know, I mean, Prescott had ended up having a good game, but he didn't. I think he only had like 15 completions in this game or something like that. So um, the receivers were always going to have a tough day in, in this situation. Obviously, Zeke was crushing them on the ground. So uh, if you can get CD Lamb, um, try to get him this week. This is the week to try to get him. Totally agree. Totally agree. All right, let's pick up the pace here. It's my fault for for rambling on a little bit. A little bit too long on these. So 49ers Seahawks, for me, the big takeaway is play Trey Sermon this week. He got 80% of the opportunities last week, started to look, you know, had, had a couple of decent plays. But Trey Lance is going to play this week, it's looking like, because Jimmy Garoppolo is hurt. And this may be the, the 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 sliding doors moment. We look back and this is the moment that Trey Lance became the starter and really made the offensive his own. He made some plays. He had some... Mm. <laughs> running the ball he's a like, rookie, rookie quarterback he's a rookie yeah. quarterback with limited experience but we're talking in, in this scheme they're going to scheme up some easy completions for him and he's going to run the football but he's also going to open up the running game for Trey Sermon in this instance and they get a very nice matchup against the Cardinals who are just a middle of the road run defense so Trey Sermon could see some big big plays this week so start Trey Sermon yeah and it's as I stated at the top um, add Alex Collins if you can get him sounds like this Chris Carson neck injury is a chronic injury, so it will flare up from time to time. It's not going away, so mm-hmm. um, I think he's a good speculative ad at the moment. So um, grab Alex Collins where he can, because it sounds like Chris Carson is probably not going to play tonight. So, um, yeah, oh yeah, that's 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 tonight. I'm all over the place the days of the week, so uh, I need to remember to to, to set my lineups. This morning or this whatever. morning or whatever, whatever you're is. watching the game. Wherever yeah. you're watching it. Uh, I agree. All right, let's move on. Packers and Steelers. Uh, add oh, Randall yeah. Cobb. Add Randall Cobb. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, that's he. Um, MVS has landed on the injured reserve. He had two touchdowns, but interestingly, he was second in targets on the team. Uh, Rogers specifically requested him. He's going to play from the slot. I, th- I, I think he should see some more snaps moving forward, and Rogers is going to look to get his guy involved. You saw those celebrations. He was happy. So add Randall Cobb. Definitely. Um, Robert Tanyan, I think you can move on from him. Um, he's just, I'd rather just play the streaming game. Like, I'd rather have Dawson Knox. I'd rather, I'd rather, have, eat, I'd rather eat broken glass. Right. So, um, Robert Tanyan, farewell. <laughs> yep. It was, ni- it was nice to know you. Broncos, Ravens, Teddy Bridgewater got a concussion in this game. We're not sure if he's going to clear the protocols in time. If so, it would be Drew Locke, which is probably Ooh. a downgrade. Downgrade for the offense, downgrade for Noah Pham. But on the other side of this this game, the Ravens, Hollywood had a bounce-back game. And I was very encouraged by this because he had two 
maybe three drop touchdowns in week three. So to see Lamar go back to him, to see him snag a touchdown on a real nice catch, actually, it was it was very encouraging to see. He is going to be an every week starter, even when they activate Rashad Bateman. I think that's going to be good for him. Rashad Bateman is a very good wide receiver. I think he's going to be very productive in this league. I know, I know, uh, you're you're a fan of, 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 yeah. of Bateman being being a uh, being a Gopher, Minnesota Gopher there. Yeah. So I think it's going to be good things for Rashad Bateman if you're able to stash him. But but Hollywood Brown is someone that I'm I'm just locked into my lineups every single week because he's got the potential to go absolutely nuclear. Yeah, um, obviously Tyson Williams had some issues um, in Ravens practice this the past week. He yeah. didn't play. Do um, we think so this was them sending a message like you need to get your shit together. We've got the veterans. We're gonna lean. We're gonna lean on them here. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was definitely some of that. I think there must have been something that happened for him yeah. not to just be on the radar at all. So because he looked the he best back. Late. Yeah, right. maybe he was. Yeah, right. Something must have happened because anyone with eyes could see he was the most dynamic runner. The guy who was looked like he was most likely to make something happen. Latavius got the carries here, got a touchdown, but the legs look old. The legs look heavy. <laughs> on the touchdown, he looked pretty good, though, to be fair. <laughs> um, but, yeah, definitely. Um, and both those Broncos running backs are playing really well right now. Mm -hmm. um, as much as people want to kind of throw Melvin Gordon in the trash, um, he still looks nah, he's do he still He's looks, doing it. He's doing it. He still looks good. He's doing the damn thing. I'll be interested to see as we get close to the trade deadline, though. Maybe they look to move on from Melgo if they, you know, this. Yeah. I know they, they started 3-0. But maybe they get their record come week eight is if they're below 500, potentially, especially yeah. with, Drew, with Drew Locke now, depending on what goes on with Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, this, could, this could be an interesting spot to see what the Broncos do with, with Melvin Gordon if a, if a team needs a running back, which, which plenty of them do at the moment. Patriots, Buccaneers. Oh, this was all kinds of emotions, all kinds of things. Tom Brady back in Foxborough. Nice little video. Bit of a scrappy game. The weather wasn't good. It came down to the final drive. Donk, field goal. Bad decision by the Patriots to kick the field goal. But my takeaway from this is play Rojo dead pretty much. While Gio Bernard is out in terms of the pass-catching backs, I think you can play Leonard Fournette. It'll feel gross. It always feels gross. But he is using the passing game, and he's a better pass catcher than Ronald Jones. And so I think playing Fournette is, feels, feels dirty, but you, you, can, you can do it. It does. I think um, I talked about it last week a little bit. I think um, Kendrick Bourne's a speculative ad in deeper leagues. Um, I still think he looks he looks the best as like kind of still has that like spring to step when he, on on routes and he's mm -hmm. a little bit crisper. Um, so he's he's an interesting ad as this Patriots offense continues to try to figure out what it's going to do. Um, and looked like AB was. <laughs> was very involved in the passing game. Don't worry about Chris Godwin. All those guys are fine. Um, mm -hmm. feel, feel free to play them whenever you want. Yeah, I'm, I'm about to see both tight ends scored here, but neither of them outside of that would be startable based off of their, um, you know, three yeah. receptions, 14 yards for John Jonu, and four for 32 from Hunter Henry. Both of them going to be touchdown dependent moving forward. And finally, the... Uh, the uh, Emperor's New Clothes that are the uh, Las Vegas Raiders have slowly been revealed. We didn't trust them as an elite team. Uh, I didn't. I thought the Chargers put a put a put a bit of a beat down on them. The game was 
the scoreboard was closer than what the game actually was. Uh, Justin Herbert looked great. But for me, the big takeaway, go and trade for Mike Williams if you can. This was his first down week. It was in a primetime game, all eyes on, and Williams did nothing. He had one reception. So people might be feeling a bit badly about that, might be a bit annoyed, going to be hesitant to start him this week. Go and get Mike Williams on all of your teams if you can because this offense is firing. Yeah, it really is. And Eckler probably had his best game of, of the season. Um, he looked really good in this one. Um, obviously, he went to the tent for a little while, so everyone was holding their breath, but he ended up coming back in and finishing this game. Uh, you know, Donald Parham showed up, my my favorite six eight tight end. That's um, it. He had a touchdown in this one. So um, the Raiders' offense just kills me, man. It just really does. So I think you just have to kind of ride it out and see what happens. I mean, Darren Waller's been getting targets. I mean, he's gotten seven targets last three games. He just this is what it is. Like every every team yeah. knows that he's the number one target, so they're going to try to take him away. So he's he's a tight end one. He will. Hunter Renfro has got some value as well in in, in deeper yep. leagues as, as a flex play. He's he's cooking DBs with his uh, insurance sales tactics. I don't know what's going on, but Hunter, Hunter Renfro is a is, is a really good slot receiver. It's it's crazy crazy to see that someone with his build and apparent athleticism is 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 that good. It's it's really fun to see. But that was it. That'll do us for the games uh, from last last week. Let's review our streams from from week four. Uh, quarterbacks. I, I somehow landed on the quarterback one overall for the week with Sam Darnold against the uh, Dallas Cowboys. He rushed in for two scores, 33.54 points against your Kirk Cousins, which, who really struggled and just had 11.12 points. Um, but the tight end, you got me again. You got me again. I went for Tyler Conklin, fucking tight, 5.8 points. Versus Dawson Knox, who was the tight end two on the week with 20.7 points. Absolutely crushed me. I'm yet to get on the board with a tight end win. Uh, so, Corey, who, who are you looking at as a tight end streamer for week five? Um, for week five, tight end streamer, I'm going with CJ Uzama. CJ Uzama. CJ Uzama. Um, nice. The Bengals are playing Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions do not have a good defense. They do um, not. not. They do not. We're not sure if Mixon's going to play, and I could see them tossing the ball around a little bit here. So I'm totally agree. CJ. I like it. I'm going to go with Dalton Schultz, who's had a lot of usage in the last couple of weeks. Great offense, and they're going against the uh, the New York Giants, whose whose you know, defense isn't much to write home about. Well, especially against tight ends. For the quarterback streaming, I'm going with Justin Fields at the uh, at the Raiders. Again, I don't think the Raiders Raiders are all that much chop, and I think Fields, his day looks entirely differently if he just gets gets a couple of uh, passing touchdowns. He's being used in the run game, and I think he's going to take another step forward. He's got receivers, uh, and I think with David Montgomery out as well, they might look to uh, put a bit more on the shoulders of Fields uh, in, in what seems to be a pretty decent matchup here. So I like Justin Fields this week. I was weighing up between him and Trey Lance, but I think Fields just looks like a bit more polished passer at this point, which is why I've gone for him. Who are you taking? I'm taking Zach Wilson against the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta Falcons' defense is putrid. Um, Zach Wilson's got his highest passing yard prop already. It's at 242.5 yards this week, which is the highest it's been um, 
all season long. So yep. taking Zach Wilson um, to get me 275 and two touchdowns in this one. That could get it done. That could get it done indeed. And he will be able to move the ball up and down the field against the Falcons. No question about that. That could be a bit of a sneaky shootout. Maybe this is the week finally we see um, uh, Kyle Pitts break out. Maybe we see Mike Davis get a bit of a bit of success. Maybe. Who knows? But that'll do it for this week. Don't forget, oh, it's probably too late if you listen to this because uh, for Thursday Night Football, but good luck with your with your Thursday Night Football matchups. Good luck with your matchups this week. Um, but that, that'll do it from us. Make sure you follow The Vault Studio on all the social media platforms, patreon.com forward slash The Vault Studio if you want to support the podcast. Uh, Corey's on Twitter at CMoney52. I'm at FF underscore down under. But uh, for, for ra- wrapping up with our week four review, week five preview, that'll do it. And we will catch you next week. Peace.